Hi, this is Alec Rich, and you're listening to the Hatches Weekly Podcast, Getting to the Bottom of It. This week, my colleague Sarah Sachs and I will be speaking with PhD students in response to a petition they created at the beginning of April, which is directed towards the Columbian College of Arts and Sciences. The petition, which now has over 175 doctoral student signatures and nearly 80 faculty signatures, calls upon CCAS leadership to make three central changes to graduate student funding packages. Among those proposed changes would first be funding for the summer term for all PhD students in CCAS. The second change would be giving doctoral students the option of one additional semester exempted from their graduate assistantship requirements without the loss of funding. Lastly, the petition calls for the reimbursement of uncovered GW health insurance costs for this academic year, along with a subsidy for next year if campus remains closed in the fall. Here to discuss the petition first is Robert Hildebrandt, a third-year doctoral student studying anthropology and one of the original collaborators on the petition. Robert, thank you for joining me. Thank you. So first, you know, how do you think the, the pandemic has specifically affected doctoral students at GW? Um, I think it's affected us in lots of ways and lots of different ways. So, you know, I can, I can talk about how personally it's affected me. Um, you know, as a, as a third year student in anthropology, um, we're sort of in the point where we're kind of finishing up regular coursework for the degree um, and about to go out and enter doing, um, you know, ethnographic fieldwork. In other disciplines, there's probably other, um, other sort of research methods, though I know a lot of social sciences, you know, do some level of a field work or archival work, some some sort of work that involves the traveling to foreign countries, going to places where they might either be in, you know, close contact or in my case, like continuous contact. You know, the whole idea of of doing anthropology is you're out there interacting with people, which is something that you can't do um, during social distancing. So you know, for me personally, at this moment, it's not as disruptive, you know, this so much like this month as in looking forward for the summer and potentially for the fall. Um, as you know, even as we talk about certain aspects of life coming back to normal, um, you know, I become increasingly anxious about whether or not I'll actually be able to go off and start field work this fall. Um, and if I might not have to wait a semester. And so, you know, now, with that being said, you know, then the question becomes, okay, well, what do I do, um, you know, academically? Well, and then will I be supported? You know, will I get, be able to use some of my funding? Will that, how will that affect then my funding down the line? You know, originally the idea is that, you know, you go off, you do a year of field work, and then you still have two more years of funding left to go and use for, for dissertation writing. Um, and also, you know, using part of that time to go, and go to conferences to go and work on publishing articles um, to do kind of some of the work that that PhD students are expected to do under the umbrella of you know of your sort of you know fourth and fifth year or I guess that'd be fifth and sixth year under the sort of fifth sixth year umbrella that are then helping you sort of springboard into a career in academia. Um, and so I'm sort of wondering, well, will that my timeline for that be cut short because of needing to take out extra time now? Um, and then it's also like, well, what do I do with this time now? If I've already, you know, you advanced the candidacy, um, what kind of, you know, educational opportunities will I be able to use? You know, like if my credits have all been used up, what kind of, um, you know, what sort of allowances will be made? We haven't really gotten any answers from the administration on any of these um, issues. Yeah, and going back to the petition, you know, on the first run in terms of that loss of funding, you know, kind of piling up on itself, 
how do you think one of the proposed changes from the petition would be the funding for the summer term for all PhD students in CCAS? You know, how do you think that first prong of the petition you know, addresses some of those concerns? So I think some of it is that, you know, these things that we all sort of planned on, that we had, um, you know, sort of scheduled, we budgeted out, we figured out our costs. Um, and suddenly, some people, those things have just been canceled. Like, I know a lot of people who are supposed to go and do either summer field work or summer archival work or summer um, language study, and they had outside funding, and those programs have just been canceled, um, who are suddenly, you know, without that money they'd plan for. Um, I'm in this sort of space where I'm still not even sure, which I think on both senses, not having a fallback, not having a backup plan. Um is really stressful. And, you know, in, in normal times, right, if students didn't have, you know, weren't doing summer language work, didn't have some sort of summer fellowship, you know, the option is always there to go and look for, you know, for part-time work just in the private sector, um, you know, because we don't get guaranteed funding, unlike many other doctoral programs. Um, and so, you know, Normally, that's like a fallback, right? I could go and try to find work somewhere, you know, for the summer if, you know, my summer programs were canceled for other reasons. But as you well know, that there isn't any summer work, you know, the unemployment levels have reached record highs. And so when when we have, you know, when our, our current primary employer only technically employs us for nine months out of the year, suddenly we're left stranded for those extra three months with no backup plan, with no other um, alternative. And even there's some of these things too, where there's been no clear communication on whether can we, are we able to apply for unemployment benefits? I know there's been, you know, been hearing on the news a lot, you know, expanding unemployment benefits. Um, but if we're not, if we're only unemployed for the summer, like, does that count technically as unemployment? I don't know. Nobody's told us. And then lastly, I just want to, you know, get your kind of take on whether you think, whether you're confident in an administrative response to the calls from the petition. You know, like I said, we did have somebody reach out to us. Um, and, you know, they were certainly like willing to like listen and pass on these, these issues. Um, you know, I'm, I'm glad we're doing, like I said, we're, we're sort of getting testimonials from other students that we're going to be passing on to the university next week. Um, and I think just, you know, increasing the kind of size and visibility is important in my opinion, um, just because I think having the university realize that, it, you know, the kind of scale and scope of this, um, I'd like to be optimistic. I know that there's been talks and discussions on this. Um, so, yeah. All right. Robert, thank you. Thank you so much. Next up, we have Alyssa Bivens, a second year doctoral student studying history. Alyssa, thank you for joining me. Glad to be asked. You know, have you personally had to deal with, you know, not having, you know, full access to faculty that you would have liked to have previously? You know, and I know a lot of them are also dealing with, on top of their workload, you know, childcare duties and different things like that. Yeah, and it's it's tough because, you know, PhD students, we form really close bonds with our, like, faculty advisors. And like us, a lot of our advisors are struggling in their own ways. Um, and so um, I know my advisor has found it hard to find time um, to chat with me because she is, you know, now has to deal with raising her kids full time while also teaching her classes, while also doing her research and like, you know, staying at home. And um, so where it's kind of, again, this domino effect. Um, and so time that I could spend going to her office hours or picking her brain on, you know, articles that I'm working on or ideas, uh, 
I, you know, there's both the fact that she doesn't have time and, and there's also the fact that me as a person that wants to be considerate doesn't want to, like, interrupt her, her family life and all the things she's dealing with. And um, so, yeah, it's, it's, it's a domino effect. And I'm sure you, you might also see it in your classes, too. Like, I think about this because I'm, I'm a TA um, for around 48 like undergraduate students and I try to like make myself available to them where I'm like email me tell me how things are going like if you're not okay like let me know we'll work on it um and it's this balance between like I want to keep you know I want to keep their education quality high but I don't want to burden you know my students in this very stressful time and so it's just like we're all being affected by it and you know going off that the petition so far has 178 doctoral student signatures and nearly 80 faculty, you know, what do you think is the importance of that and signaling to the university that, you know, they really need to step up on that front? Yeah, I think it shows that we have support, you know, not just from, there's the number of PhD students, which is high, but from a wide variety of PhD student departments, um, which I think is huge. So even though we're all facing different problems from like the math Mathematicians to the historians to, you know, the biologists, we all uh, agree on the need for us to be included in whatever solutions the university is going to put forward for us. Um, we really help the university run, um, and the faculty uh, clearly agree with that, and we know that they support us a lot, um, which is why the petition really focused on the departments being the, um, the one that the university should uh, or the university administration should go to, um, because we think that the departments and the faculty and the administration together can can come up with a solution that both works for each individual department, but that takes into concern the very clear needs that we laid out in the petition. Thank you, Alyssa. Yeah, no problem, Alec. The onset of the COVID-19 pandemic has forced widespread changes in how our university runs. With the installation of distant learning, many graduate students feel as though they are not receiving the quality of education they deserve and are facing an unfair financial strain because of it. I'm here with Bit Meehan, a third-year PhD student in the Department of Political Science, on the open letter sent to the Columbian School of Arts and Sciences to address these strains. Elizabeth, thanks for being on. Oh, of course. Uh, so how did you first hear about this letter that fellow grad students were sending in? So I was forwarded an email from one of the original drafters of the letter um, looking for feedback and any other information that would be helpful to them as they were redrafting and figuring out what they wanted the contents of the letter to be. Um, I took that to a small group of graduate students um, in the political science department. We have a graduate caucus. Um, and this is a group of elected individuals who, for a year, kind of liaison between the wider graduate student body and political science. There's generally about 60 to 70 of us in a given year. Um, and our department, um, our department chair and our graduate director. Um, so I talked about it with them. And we had some suggestions for them that we sent back. Um, and then the letter, I think, came out within a couple days after that. Um, so we we're just kind of trying to be in dialogue. We weren't the original drafters or anything, but we had... An ability to give some feedback. I'll talk about what's in the letter. The main three requests that were highlighted were extension of graduate assistance monthly stipend rates for the summer, a semester for doctoral students where they were exempt from teaching, and a reimbursement for the unused portions of this year's cost of university health insurance. So how do you think that these policy changes are going to help the situation, help each student's situation? So 
a lot of this stems from a great deal of uncertainty for graduate students at GW and across a lot of other higher education institutions, right? Um, so not only have we all been asked, along with the faculty members, to switch to teaching online, which has its own difficulties for everybody, both on the student end and on the educator end, um, most graduate students in departments across the country are only funded for the nine months that they work. Right, So you're only paid from September through May. And for a lot of people um, in different departments, you have to seek either internal funding from GW or external funding from you know, outside grants or internships or something to cover your summer. So the problem is right now, with COVID-19, a lot of the opportunities that graduate students would normally pursue to be able to fund their summers are gone. So that's why the summer request is included, right? Um, so a lot of the other things students would do to deal with that problem might be move home for the summer or be on field work so they could sublet their apartment in DC. A lot of other people may rely on funding from their parents, right? And if their parents have lost their jobs due to COVID, then <laughs> what are they gonna do, right? There's no other sources of outside funding. Um, some other people are from outside the United States, right? So they're now limited about their opportunity to go home. Um, and then the other one is the semester of duty free, right? So a lot of the issues around that revolve around the fact that most graduate students, right, particularly in my department and other departments um, where you have to do field work or you have to work in a lab for the hard sciences, right? You can't access your lab. You can't go to France or Myanmar or wherever you need to go to do your field work. So you have to change your entire dissertation project, which you've spent years <laughs> trying to figure out and work on, um, because you can't do your data collection the way you're supposed to do it. And so the university, asking the university for a semester with duty free would allow people to catch up, right? The expectation that you may have had the summer to work in your lab, to go abroad, to be able to do the research you need to keep moving forward on your project. Because ideally, yeah, GW wants you to finish in five years. But now <laughs> the opportunity for a lot of people to do the work they're supposed to do has been taken away. So do you think that the switch to distance learning will affect people's ability to graduate on time and to get a job when they do graduate? Oh, 100%. So somebody looked at all the political science departments across the country for their PhD students and their average time to completion and the types of jobs that they got afterward, the people who are most successful in getting tenure-track jobs were people who took at least, on average, about six and a half years. And some of the better-funded departments in the country think like UChicago, MIT, all those departments, a lot of their students stay in those programs for eight to nine years before they graduate. <laughs> so GW wanting us to finish in five makes sense. They want us to get out. However, the people who are most successful, at least in my field, take a lot longer. And so it's difficult to know that the university is in a difficult financial position, yet the job market's only going to get contract and get more difficult for higher education anyway. How are we supposed to be successful and competitive candidates for the types of jobs that we came in here to try to get if we don't have extra funding of some sort? So, so what issues that are like specific to your department have you noticed people facing? Um, some of it... With research, right, it's not only you have to go to France or something to do your field work, it's also access to libraries or archives, or in my case, I do a lot of interview work. Now I can do a lot of that online, but there's something about that interpersonal interaction and building that face-to-face -face connection with someone that kind of can't really be replaced, um, especially for if you're doing a lot of things where you're doing ethnographic work and you're kind of supposed to be immersed in the environment that certain types of people are working in. Um, so there's those types of difficulties, and we don't know when travel restrictions, all that stuff's going to be lifted so we can access those resources. 
Um, a lot of people who were in their fifth year and hoping to get a funding, six-year funding from GW, now are kind of, they don't know what they're supposed to do um, because, again, a lot of the opportunities for external funding have been curtailed. Um, and then obviously effects on mental health, right? Whether that's just the disruption that we're all facing um, and kind of figuring out how to deal with this collectively or experiencing it in their families, right? So when your department was looking over this letter, was there anything that ended up not being in the final draft that you think should have been or still issues that people are facing, kind of like the stuff you were mentioning before? There are difficulties around knowing the difficult financial position that the university is in and that all universities are facing. So, you know, GW is going to lose a ton of money the longer this lasts, right? Um, and they've already announced hiring freezes, et cetera, et cetera, to try to curtail some of those losses. Um, at the same time, they've already made contractual obligations to graduate students to fund them for X number of years, right, under whatever funding packages that they're on. Um, and they've already come out and said that they would honor those obligations. The difficulty comes around a lot, I think, a lot of the structural elements that are baked into the current graduate student funding process across the board. So again, the idea that we're only funded for nine months and that those nine months are expected to get you through most of the year is unreasonable and untenable because, yeah, there are a lot of people who are struggling because, we, you know, you hit May 31st and that's the last time you get paid and you have to figure out what you're going to do. And so this letter is trying to address, it's kind of hinting at some of those more structural problems that would be more addressed in longer, the longer term things that people need, um, while also addressing some of the more acute ones, i.e. the asking for a semester of duty free to be able to catch up, so to speak, to stay on relatively on time and on task. Um, so it's got both of those elements in there. The one thing I, I guess I would have liked to see a little bit more um, just in a language would be highlighting the difficulties that international students face. Again, because, you know, they're here, they're paying more taxes than a U.S. citizen would. They're not able to go back to their families, et cetera, et cetera. Um, would have liked to see a little bit more. All right, well, thank you so much for being on. Yeah, of course. That's all for this week. Getting to the Bottom of It is hosted by Alec Rich and produced by Gwen Wheeler. Music is produced by Aux Studio. Special thanks to Sarah Sachs, Robert Hildebrandt, Michael Kaplan, and Alyssa Bivens for joining us.